welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast, the show where we explore the latest trends and innovations in the world of financial technology. I'm your host, Trevor Prince, and today I'm thrilled to have John Mitchell, the co-founder and CEO of Episode 6, as my guest. In this episode, John discusses his background in the payments industry and the journey that led to the creation of Episode 6. He covers Episode 6's mission and the firm's key milestones and challenges faced. He also discusses the exciting future of the company and the trends he sees in the payment space. John finishes off the episode with a discussion of how he balances work and personal life, as well as his involvement with the conservation nonprofit, Rewild. Hi, John. Welcome to the Wharton Fintech Podcast. Where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from Austin, Texas. It's great to be here. Austin, Texas. Is that where your guys' office is based? This is where our headquarters are. We actually have offices in Tokyo and Singapore, London, but our, our headquarters is in Austin. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, happy to talk a, a little bit more about episode six uh, later on in the show, but would, would prefer to start um, with a little bit about kind of your background, John. So I guess for our listeners who who aren't familiar um, with your background, can you please just provide a high-level overview of your, of your career? Sure, sure. I, I started off in payments, actually, uh, in 1999. And so I've been in payments 24 years now. Uh, I started uh, with some colleagues uh, uh, putting together a, a prepaid, an early prepaid processor and program manager called NetSpend. And at that time, uh, the company was literally in, an, in a two-bedroom apartment and it was struggling to find its way. And, you know, I, I got involved and helped them migrate to a, to a different business model. And, you know, it eventually became listed on, uh, on the NASDAQ. And along the way, I met one of my partners today, uh, Fute Cow, and so we've been working together since 2001-ish. But that company uh, was an early kind of pioneer uh, of prepaid processing, and uh, I, in fact, I believe Visa and Mastercard didn't have prepaid categories at the time that we we started the company. Uh, and so we were able to put Mini First into the market. Uh, and around 2007, you know, I had left, and Fute left, and we went on to build uh, different types of. Uh, processing platforms in different parts of the world uh, up until 2015 when we decided to come together the world the world had changed the payments landscape had changed and you know we decided that along with my third co co-founder Shireen Hu we thought that it was a, uh, the right time to put together something that was more based on technology that would create an element of flexibility that simply didn't exist in the marketplace and We've been doing this for the last eight years, and so uh, a lengthy, lengthy time period in payments. Prior to that, I was in uh, account management and sales, and I was in sales for a long time since I was uh, in elementary school. Actually, I had a paper route, and then sell subscriptions. It's and pretty early. And, yeah, and then I moved on to uh, selling uh, selling pennants and bells and whistles at the uh, Air Force Academy at their uh, their football games at Falcon Stadium. My first day on the job, I actually broke the all-time sales record, so I was pretty, pretty pumped up about that at the time. Led nice. to a promotion to stand behind the counter instead of carrying this board around, uh, and you know, did, had many different types of jobs. But really, the last twenty-four years or so has been based a, a, around payments in, in in this industry. So you mentioned a little bit about about net spend. Also, saw that you you worked at uh, Rev Worldwide for for a number of years. Is that correct? Sure. That I guess cool. I mind providing a little bit of background there as well, just for our listeners. So, Netspin, based in Austin, 
Texas uh, was a uh, you know so we sold a, a product, a prepaid card, a reloadable prepaid card that mm-hmm. could be uh, issued at a, a money services business and consumers that were primarily cashing checks from their whatever their employment was could load those checks directly onto a, a card. And at that time, there was a there wasn't a new idea. But the implementation and the execution was new, and so it actually worked and worked very well, and so it just exploded. And uh, you know that sort of uh, led to the founding of Rev Worldwide, and Rev Worldwide sort of took the idea of payments outside in similar types of uh, you know ideas, but spread them across multiple continents. And so uh, Fute and I, at Rev Worldwide, put and uh, Tremaine put out some interesting products around multi-wallet and FX and really some of the first of their kind with another one of our, our partners as well uh, in India and Australia and New Zealand. And you see these uh, FX products today, uh, you know, doing very well with some, you know, some very large uh, fintechs with uh, Wise and with uh, Revolut. And so we spent some time uh, working in Europe and Asia and the Middle East and Latin America and it just was really apparent that um, the market wasn't getting what a new breed of consumer was demanding, on-demand, uh, seamless, real-time, and uh, different in different types of uh, geographies and different uh, in, in different uh, regulatory requirements. And to take a platform and be able to fit it into different localized requirements localization requirements was something that that nut hadn't been cracked. And so if you look at most of the international payments companies, they have multiple versions in different parts of the world. And from an operating leverage standpoint, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pricey, it's difficult to manage. And so we thought, why don't we just create a, a singular code base that can be configured into what our clients want so that they can meet the needs of the consumers and they can essentially build out the uh, products and services that you know their 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 customers will love, and that was sort of the origin story of of episode six. So there was an evolution there from you know one product company that's been to a one product company across multiple continents, Rev to to a, a, a an infrastructure play that allowed other companies to build many types of products in wherever they wanted to and create things, you know, create products and services in their own image. So. That's what led up. That was sort of the background, and that's what led up to the creation of, of of episode six. That's really helpful. I guess beyond the the professional side and and kind of the need in, in the market for episode six, could you maybe walk through your decision to to, to found the firm along with Fute and Shermaine, just on on a more personal level, kind of going from you know larger businesses that are maybe yeah. a little bit more established to you know starting out a new venture once again. Well, you know. I remember the day that we decided to do it. We were actually sitting on my porch in Austin, Texas. And, uh, you know, 2015, the available tech was different than it was in 2000. And, you know, we were just talking and and, and just thinking that if we applied, uh, you know, we put something up in the cloud. What if we distributed it across many different regions? And what if we let our clients make the changes and build the products that they want? Could we do that? Should we do that? Who's going to pay for it? How are we going to fund it? And uh, you know, we came to to an agreement that 
first of all, starting a business is hard work. Growing a business is hard work. It takes a lot of effort. And so were we ready to commit to that? Yeah, if we, I think we all agreed that, that we were. And there was, there was a hole in the market. Almost every, every payments product related to the, the niche area that we, we played in was, was the same. So it was just impossible. Technology calcifies over time and, uh, it's, it's just hard to manipulate. And so one of the, one of the, the premises of what we agreed to was that our platform would be something that could be changed, could be augmented. It could move with tech, it could move with the market. And we just agreed and we just started working on it. It's one of those things where we just looked at each other and said, Hey, you know what? This is like the sixth time we've done something together. Hey, episode six. And the next thing I know, uh, I'm working long hours every day and, you know, it's self-funded too. And so mm-hmm. that, uh, I think self-funding a company, I, first of all, I think it's important because I think w- when it's your money, you treat, you treat it differently, it's game, yeah. uh, or at least it teaches you to treat all funds, whether they're from VC or private equity or strategic or, or your own, your own checking account to, you know, how to, how to treat money. And so you can make sure you manage the business effectively. And so, yeah, that's, that was kind of what came together. Uh, we had all worked together for a long time. So we knew that we worked well together. Uh, we knew that even if we had differences, we'd always come to an agreement and that's mm-hmm. pretty much what's happened over the last eight years. So John, I guess just turning to episode six, uh, can you start by giving our listeners an overview of the firm and its mission in the payments and banking space? Episode six offers payment infrastructure via API. It's available anywhere because we're uh, distributed across 13 AWS regions for our SaaS offering. We have a, a license model as, as well. And through these API and through these, these toolkits, our customers, our clients that were a B2B company build out payment products for their either consumers or, or, or merchant businesses. And the, the mission that we set out on was to provide technology that would enable our clients to build products and services that their customers love. And so that's what we've set out to do. And we provide, uh, you know, the methodology and the, the technology for them to, to do so. And I guess, could you provide a little bit more detail around how that customization streamlines processes for your, for your clients and your customers in terms of, yeah. you know, kind of the blocking and tackling day to day? And so I, I think if we take a step back, we built our, our platform around concepts. So wherever you go, you need to know who your customer is. You need to control transaction velocity. You need to be able to block accounts. You need to be able to access data. And so these ideas are everywhere. However, the implementation of these ideas are different everywhere. You know, we work in ASEAN, for example, 10 different countries, 10, 10 different regulatory requirements, different languages, different currencies. And to be able to adapt to all of these different environments very quickly because the system is highly configurable. Um, in fact, it's, it's so configurable, sometimes we scale it back because it, it's it's challenging to to explain some of the capabilities, but but to be able to augment this on a local level, without impacting the uniqueness of the the platform and in, in in hard coding, is a big is a big win. So today we're doing business in Indonesia, for example, and there's onshore requirements, and so that requires a different instance of our our system. And you know we stood that up in a couple months, and that's something that probably prior to us could take years. 
definitely would take many, many, many more months than what we, we did it in. And that's just a testament to, you know, what we built. We built something that can be augmented very easily and adjusted for wherever it's at. And then, so what that does is that brings in this newer technology that's resilient, that's performant, that's bank grade anywhere. And so the local providers for payments infrastructure that in some cases, in a lot of cases might, might have architected their, their solutions for requirements that no longer exist are not the only option anymore. Episode six is the option. And so the, the, the ability to mix and merge you know, different types of payment rails and, and managing and hosting balances and basing all that around value units instead of a single fiat currency just opens up a lot of doors. And so there's a lot of room for innovation and innovators have access to toolkits that they didn't have access to before because of everything that I just mentioned. So I think it's, everybody talks about moonshots. This is not a moonshot, but this is just a much better way of doing what needs to be done. And, uh, you know, because of that, we, we just see more and more traction all the time. Yeah. I think, yeah, to your point, um, a lot of people are kind of shooting for the moon on a lot of things, but there's a lot of simple and, or not so, I don't want to say simple, but rather uh, a lot of in the weeds, nitty gritty items that can be, you know, really a lot of benefit and value can be created from really solving them really well. So, so appreciate yeah. that. And it's not, it's not overly complicated. The, the, the capability and the, the, um, I think the beauty of all this lies in the simplicity. Mm-hmm. You know, what we've learned as we got older, the, the simpler we keep it, the more we can do. And so it's in some cases I might be counterintuitive, but that's really what, what we do and how, how we build this. Gotcha. I guess uh, maybe taking a look at, you know, episode six's history over the past eight years, kind of what are some of the major hurdles that you all have had to overcome? You mentioned kind of moving international. There's a lot of, you know, uh, items that you kind of need to factor in depending on jurisdictions and all of that, but any other kind of key roadblocks or, or issues that you've had to, to find you your know, way through? When you build a company from scratch, there's a roadblock almost in perpetuity. It seems <laughs> like there's always something. Look, we started off and uh, this was self-funded. So there's a roadblock there because eventually we can't be self-funded anymore unless we're generating revenue. But when you build an enterprise class system, it takes a couple of years to build it, test it, and get into the market. Um, so, but I think some milestones were when we uh, received our, our seed funding from SBI in, in Japan. And there were business milestones around that and and we're really road you know overcoming the roadblocks uh that uh that were really, really important. We became the first, this is what we're told, we became the first foreign issue processor to ever integrate into the local switch in Japan. We had, depending on how you count, up to 17 people working on two very, very large programs simultaneously in two different countries, and we pulled it off. And so we were we were working with Japan Airlines, we were working with HSBC. This was all in 2018. We were shuttling back and forth, and uh, you know we were doing doing things that really probably hadn't hadn't been done before. But we got through that, and uh, everything has been working flawlessly since. And so that 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 was a, a stepping stone. And working in those countries led to other business particularly in Hong Kong to other other business in Hong Kong and then throughout the region, which led us back to London and things sort of grew organically from there. So I think that was a big milestone. Our, our series A um, uh, at the outset of COVID was, was quite interesting because everything sort of stopped. Um, 
but because we were small and uh, you know we were new, converting to working remotely took about it didn't take any time at all. It's what yeah. we do. But for our partners, you know, it was a massive process, and having to convince them that we were okay was you know was 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 quite interesting. The Series B was fantastic because we uh, were able to affiliate with uh, Anthos Capital. It's just been a, you know absolutely amazing. And then uh, in 2023, when banks were failing and you know these interest rate hikes were just really wreaking havoc on on the marketplace, having uh, Avenir believe in us and, and come in for the, the Series C was just uh, it's just extraordinarily encouraging. But yeah. those are those were all great milestones. I think from a product perspective, us putting our configurable credit in market in multiple countries, uh, it's been has been exciting because I think that. That's sort of where some of these payment initiatives are drifting towards, mm-hmm. um, and we've got a lot of ex- you know our pipeline stronger and bigger than it, than it ever has been. We made some great hires, so there's been many milestones over the over over the years, but we've never lost sight on what we agreed to on our on our balcony. We haven't we haven't deviated, and it's 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 working and we're growing, and you know we expect for that the rate of growth to to accelerate in 2024. Frankly, yeah. So big okay. things ahead. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think that reframing, you know, obviously hurdles and, and obstacles are, once you get over them, definitely very big milestones. And I think to your point, early stage companies, it's it's constantly battling, but, you know, learning from those battles is really the key item. So I guess you mentioned your your recent Series C uh, in 2023. Would you mind just maybe discussing kind of uh, coming out of that, what Kind of uh, what you plan to use kind of that new capital for, um, any, any new go-to-market strategies, um, just other efforts to scale the business kind of coming out of that, that fundraise. Well, you know, we, we, we made some, uh, key hires with, with those funds and, uh, just to create this level of expertise and, and management that will help us. So moving from, you know, smaller sort of garage band into, to, uh, to a theater band and eventually an arena band. And so we, we hired a, a CRO, our first C-level hire. We've hired a, a gentleman, a head, head of BD in, in, in Europe. We've hired a head of engineering, hired a head of delivery, hired a sales excellence person in, in who's been just f- tremendous. And all these people have helped us shape our go-to-market. And so that's led to just stronger, much stronger pipeline, much more focused on just great opportunities. And so we've accelerated our marketing spin you know, one of the, the the funny things about episode six is that I mentioned that our, our tech is always very, very well reviewed. Nobody knows who we are because we didn't spend any money on marketing. So that's all changing and we're getting the word out. And, uh, you know, ultimately one of our objectives, uh, everybody has always said throughout my career that if you don't want to get fired, hire IBM. I want people to seek out episode six. And if you don't want to get fired, hire episode six. And um, so that's kind of... Uh, what we're, we're aiming for and to do that you have to have the right people and so we, we really emphasized making sure we had the right organization in place and and now we're amping up our marketing we've done trade shows like we've never done them before we've had big booths and uh you know they well the the roi is tbd but so far so good it seems very very promising we're very encouraged yeah and i think the fact that you you all have been able to be so successful even as a as a garage band as as you said without significant marketing spend i think is a testament to the the quality of the product that y'all have built so appreciate that i guess uh beyond kind of the 
the sales opportunities, really expanding the marketing spend. What, what else is it exciting you about the future uh, for episode six? You know, I, I'm excited where the, the payment space is going. I think that uh, a lot of the things that we saw and worked on in Asia came into Europe and the U.S. during COVID. Um, and I think interoperability between all of these systems is a, is a very big idea. Um, but you, one needs the proper infrastructure to be able to really, to really pull that, pull that off. Um, and, but I think that's where we're going. I just think seamless real time transactions, which not necessarily a new or new idea, but it's just, it permeating the, the payment space much more than, 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 than we saw in, in the past. And I think that there's, there's just a, everybody's known for some time that financial institutions need to modernize. I think it's it's happening now, and so it happened sort of here and there, and there were diff, you know, discussions and tests. But I think that uh, I think that uh, there's just a realization that infrastructure that comes from a different time, different decade, multiple decades ago, is just not cut out to to do what needs to be done. And just on top of that, even if even if everybody's happy with their product set, things break over time, and so things need to be replaced and we're, we're living in that in that space right now so i'm excited about that i just think that the the opportunities in front of us are greater than they've ever been and i think coming out of this 2023 cycle in you know hopefully in 24 things 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 look up and you know, i expect them to they we're in a pretty good spot gotcha i guess moving away from from episode six what are some of the more interesting trends that you've seen kind of in the payment space Recently, um, you kind of alluded to some some change going on here in the future, but no. uh, just kind of an overview of, of your view of the landscape would be helpful. I think account to account payments. Uh, you see what Visa and Mastercard are doing is uh, is is something that uh, you know it might not be a, a sexy change, but it's something that we're seeing more and more of, and we're seeing the landscape shift towards that. I think the the the, the QR based payment initiatives contactless and what I had mentioned before the interoperability between these different systems you know I think we just saw Hong Kong and uh, and uh, Thailand I believe just announced some sort of partnership and interoperability between their faster payment systems or their RTP systems I think we've seen it with Singapore and Malaysia uh, and I think we'll see more and more of that so real-time payments real-time cross-border payments uh, in you know with, from an account to account perspective is, is coming it's already here, but it'll be much more efficient um, and much more cost effective. So, I, you know, those are some of the things that I think we'll see in the near term. If we, the whole the blockchain uh, initiatives, uh, perhaps, you know, we'll see where that, that technology goes. Uh, payments is the right is the right space for that technology. Um, but, you know, I think that's th- those are those are really the areas that I I think, and, and again, those are often infrastructure plays, which is where we sit. So that's what, that's what we're looking at. I guess on the flip side, any, any concerning developments recently or, or as you look to the future that y'all are keeping your eye on, um, whether it's within your own business or, or the market more broadly? You know, we keep our eye on, on the marketplace. We keep our eye on uh, not as much on the competition. We know what's going on, but I, I, we, we preach that we want to focus on what we want to do and do it well and not get distracted. You know, we, we've we, we've lived through pandemics. We've lived through uh, interest rate hikes. We've lived through bank collapses. We've lived through wars. Um, 
and those have those have affected every everything that's that's happening in, in the market and uh you know hopefully hopefully we'll, those days will be soon behind us and we can uh you know we can focus on on the completely on the business but they, they've impacted things you know we we've we've been successful in 23 but the industry as as a whole has uh you know ha- had had issues and so uh you know those issues affect everybody so we keep our eyes out and you know we we haven't spent our we're, we're not spending as much as as quickly as we we may have in a different different climate maybe to close out the episode we'd like to you know have end on a bit of a lighter note more personal note would be helpful to get an understanding you know you mentioned you're in you're in austin um you know what are the kind of the key things that you focus on outside of the office um whether in in austin or or, or other areas yeah uh well first of all austin's a great place to be if i'm ever out of the office i live about four blocks away so it's hard to get too far you know i i'm uh, i help a charity called rewild it's a big conservation group that does a lot of great things for the planet, and so that takes up uh, you know some of my time. Uh, I think the rest of the time I, I try to work out and keep in shape, uh, do what I can do to stay healthy, uh, and uh, you know enjoy life. Yeah, guess how did you get connected with with Rewild um, and the conservation efforts there? Uh, you know they're 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 out of Austin, and uh, I just got to know the the guys along along the way, and. Um, you know, I had contributed to their, I donated, and they're doing great stuff all over the world. And so I just wanted to be part of it. And um, you know, I, I jumped in, and I've been been working with them, and since uh, twenty thirteen, maybe twenty twelve. I guess you you alluded to kind of um, you know the, the balance of of work outside work. Uh, any any advice for for our listeners as they're looking to to build um, their own businesses, um, work within, you know, a scaling organization of finding that balance of, you know, work with, um, you know, outside ventures and, and, and being successful and well-rounded, you know, outside the office. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's first and foremost, my, my priorities is episode six and I'm not always able to keep the balance. Um, and I think any, any founder who says differently might not, you know, I, is a one-off maybe, um, I think the the key is just to persevere and believe in what you're doing and work hard at it and good things will happen. So the work-life balance comes, it might not come in the beginning, uh, but you, you you need to make time for yourself Mm -hmm. and time flies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the key thing about a balance is, you know, it's not necessarily always equal. Um, so early on in a business, you're going to need to, to, uh, you know, lean more heavily into the firm and, and, as time goes on, but at the same time, you can't fully, um, you know, if you if you're not able to give your full self and your best self to the business, then you're not going to be able to to succeed. And frankly, if you're not healthy, if you're not keeping your 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 mind straight, you're it's going to be really hard to fight through the you know the pressures that that come with having to 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 fundraise and to hit payroll early on and to. To, to grow the business because there, as we said earlier, there's always something that comes out of somewhere always. Yeah. And you need to be ready to turn that hurdle into a milestone. All right. Well, I guess we'll, we'll finish off with a quick lightning round here, John. Sure. Um, you know, just a, a couple of quick questions, quick one, two word answers, um, just to finish things off on a light note. His favorite day of the week. My favorite day of the week is, uh, well, it depends on what time of the year. I really enjoy Saturday and Sunday during football season. Excuse me. Gotcha. What's your yeah. what's your what's your what's your team? College and uh, 
College team is the University of Texas Longhorns. And in the uh, NFL, I like the Denver Broncos. Favorite holiday? My favorite holiday is probably Thanksgiving. I really like everybody getting together, just having a great meal, hanging out. It's a great holiday. I've also noticed that a lot of our folks who come from other countries really enjoy Thanksgiving. The way that we do it here is, I think it's special and and unique. And then favorite city that you've never lived in? The funny thing is I've learned that there are so many great things to see and do in every city. It's really what you make of it. Uh, I have passed through so many cities. I've spent significant time in so many cities. Technically, I've only lived in in Austin. So, you know, I love New York, probably. I think I think uh, Tokyo is just phenomenal. It's, uh, it's clearly one of the great cities. I love London, Paris. So, uh, but you know, I, I think if I, if I move, I'll probably, probably, uh, spend a lot more time in New York at some point. All right. Well, John, really appreciate you coming on the Wharton FinTech podcast. It's, it's been a great conversation. All right, Trevor. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wharton FinTech podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and give us a follow on social media. We appreciate the support and hope that you'll continue to spread the word to more listeners. If you'd like to keep up with all the content from our fintech community, please subscribe to our podcast channel and find us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Medium at Wharton FinTech. There, you'll be able to find articles, interviews, and much more analyzing all aspects of the fintech industry. As always, thank you to our editor, Rafa Ostaria. And until next time, this is your host, Trevor Prince.